In this show, listener's discretion is advised. With talk of sensitive material such as, but not limited to, murder, rape, cult activity, along with strong language and more triggering content, we advise a precaution for young listeners. And if you like the show, please give a five-star rating and review. And with that out of the way, welcome to the dinner table with with the the Mad Mad Hatters. Hatters. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Mad Hatters. I'm Maddie. I'm Ava. And I'm Destiny. And we are the Mad Hatters, and this is a podcast where we talk about... True crime. True True crime. (gasps) Anyways, what are we mad about today, guys? I know, I think we should just get into it. Uh, I have something that I'm really mad about. What are you mad about? So, as we know, I feel like I mention this in every single episode now. I'm in college. Yes. Now. (laughs) And so, college is a lot different from high school. Yes. And the fact that on Thursday, I had a bio class. Okay. And we had this really kind of traumatic event happen to us in bio class. Oh, yes. So this man, I don't want to like give too much because it's kind of like sensitive, but I mean, that's why we had the warning in the beginning. Yeah. But he started having a seizure in the front of our bio class. I mean, luckily it's a bio class, so it was filled with a bunch of pre-med kids. So they like jumped into action. They oh, were like yeah. running down, like having their main character moment. Yeah. And so he started having a seizure. He hit his head. He was bleeding out of his head. And then his ears started bleeding. Oh, my God. And during this, like, well, not during this. After he was, like, back on, like, conscious Mm -hmm. and the, like, paramedics came to get him out, our bio teacher was going to sections of the class and, like, asking us if we had any questions about, like, the chapters or the course as a whole. (laughs) And we were like, um, not really at this moment. So he just tried to act like it didn't happen? Yes. And then we still had bio class. Okay. You didn't get out of class? No, we still had bio class, and there was like this big puddle of dried blood on the floor. Like oh the my God. floor of the, of the uh, lecture hall. And yeah, we still had class. With that, just chilling there. Like, my friend, he went to turn something in at the end of class, mm-hmm. and he snapped a picture of it because it was still there at the end of class. Oh my God. Yeah. So, but honestly, like, if we, if he would have been canceled, we would have had to make up, like, a Saturday class. So, maybe it's probably better that we stay in the class. But honestly, I was like, it was traumatic. Traumatic moment. And I was mad I still had bio class after that. (laughs) Maddie, what are you mad about? I, okay, I talked to Destiny about this a couple days ago. I am upset. For my notes, how I lay everything out, I use a website called Milanote. Yeah, that like, was it, I think. Yeah. yeah. Milanote. And I didn't know that if you don't pay for it, you can only have a certain amount of stuff on there. So mm-hmm. I have been putting all of my stuff and like expected to, you know, have like possibly hundreds of episodes of notes yeah. on this thing. And it was like, you can't put any more. And it and all of myself was all nice and all pretty and all like ugh. Was the subscription like expensive? Like was it like not worth it? Let me go see. <laughs> it's just gonna be us talking trash about Milanote. But like I love it. Like it's so user friendly mm-hmm. and it's so nice to use. I don't want to talk shit about it, but it's just like I'm sorry, I'm not paying ten dollars a month. It's a lot. That's how much. That's how much I pay for Spotify. 
Now I like actually use Spotify. Yeah. Anyways, that's that's yeah. it's really simple, but that's what I'm mad about because I really wish I could use that website, but now I have to use notes. <laughs> notes? I just use Google Docs. I'm fancy like that. <laughs> Destiny, what are you mad about? I'm not going to lie to you. I don't know if I'm mad about anything, but I am tired. I'm so tired. Are you mad about how are you tired mad about you are? How, yeah, I was going to say, are you mad that you're just so tired right now? Oh, no. I know what you could be mad about. No, it's my own fault. What What can I be mad about right now, Maddie? You can be mad about the fact that we had to go to seven gas stations to find an I icy. I went to <laughs> seven gas stations. Not last night. Night before last. Also, didn't, didn't help. I was tired then. Yeah. Go to work the next morning. Because we couldn't find... Why don't we they sell the last, real ICs anywhere? We left the last gas station around like 1.30, 1.20. And you had to be at work at 5. No, no you had to be six. up for 5.30. Up for 5.30. At, yeah, at work for 6. Um, yeah, I'm a little mad that they don't sell real ICs at gas stations anymore. I'm really upset about that. That's so <laughs> valid. Yeah, that's what I wanted to talk about. How was the icy that you got, though? Because I noticed whenever I got into your car today that it was still just chilling there. Trash. Garbage. No, at it the was time, bad. it was kind of slight. I liked it. I had a real icy last night. They oh, did had, you really? Yeah, I did. It was so good. It was so good. It was <laughs> best. From the movie theater? Is that what you got? Okay. I was just like, where? if we spent all that time finding an icy and you just yeah. like went someplace and it was just there, I would have been like, wow, this is just how things go. <laughs> Seven gas stations. Seven gas station parking lots. And not a single real icy machine. Went to the movies. They had a real icy machine. And I said, I'm going to sit here and I'm going to wait in this line. And I'm going to And we're going to get real ices. <laughs> and we did. And it was great. Anyways, now that I'm done talking about gas station parking lots, <laughs> should we go ahead and get it to Mad, Mad Scientist? Scientist? Yes. Yes. All right. So I'm going to go first. Mm-hmm. Uh, my little hook is thalidomide will solidify your doom. That's a sleigh hook. I love the little rhyme. Yeah, there. right? So Songwriter. Fun. No, literally, <laughs> literally. Okay, so this is a little extensive. So what I'm going to do is I'm just kind of going to kind of read through it. And yeah. whenever I stop, you can then give we talk. some comment. Then we got yeah, it, got you, it. You can give some commentary. In the early 1950s, thalidomide would change the relation we have with the drugs that we use. And this is a great example of corporate greed at its worst. So a new wonder drug and a sedative and it was said to be an answer to doctor's prayers it was said to be so safe that there was no prescription needed in most countries and it was developed in germany by a company forgive me <laughs> if i mispronounce this do you not speak german no i don't <laughs> kind of actually lame. <laughs> kemi grunenthal kim 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 yeah <laughs> So, it was claimed to be so safe that even pregnant women could take it. Like cigarettes. Like cigarettes, yes. (laughs) So, they had handed out samples all over the world, starting with employees from the company, and on Christmas Day of 1956, a baby girl was born without ears. Wait, what's this drug called? Thalidomide. Oh my gosh, we talked about this in my bio class. I'm not even joking, like I'm not even joking. Same bio class that I had to stay in after the man had a seizure. Oh my god, really? Same exact class, yes. He talked about it. Because it's a it's a it's a type of an it's a function group of an isomer. It's like in that Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Seem look at me. I know bio guys. (laughs) Maybe I did learn something. Good I stayed in that class, I guess. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) 
So yeah, on Christmas Day in 1956, a baby girl was born without ears, and she was a child of one of the employees. And they didn't link her disformity to thalidomide, mm-hmm. but you'll see where this goes. So in some European countries, it would sell as well as aspirin. So it was, you know, super... Mm-hmm popular popular it was super popular and it was heavily pushed with two million tablets already ready by the time of fda approval before it was even fda approved they were already like mass producing mass producing this drug and it wasn't until one doctor dr francis kelsey would join the fda she's kind of the the protagonist of this story what was her name one more time uh dr francis kelsey so dr Kelsey. kelsey okay yeah and she was a woman Yeah. No, she is so girl boss. Okay. (laughs) So Dr. Kelsey was new to the FDA, so they decided to give her first application, and that was for thalidomide, because Mm -hmm. they thought it was going to be, quote, easy. Little did they know this was going to be a very huge case. Okay. So she was uneasy with the lack of studies and the lack of safety tests that were done on the part of Grunenthal and William Esmeral, I think that's how you say it, which was Will. the... Hmm? Will Will. <laughs> Will Will. Will Will. We got Kim Kim and Will Will. Exactly. <laughs> Esmeral is the U.S. distributor for thalidomide. Okay. And it was said to be so safe that you could not kill a rat with any amount of thalidomide. In case you were wondering, thalidomide, it, the compound is C13H10N2O4, and it's a mixture of enantiomers. Interesting. Yes, I found it on my bio. <laughs> on the PowerPoint. She was like pulling up schoolwork uh, when I was sitting here a minute ago. And I was like, she's studying. We she's love a studying, studying girl. All right, anyways, <laughs> continue. Okay, so as I said, it was so safe that you cannot kill a rat with it. So it's impossible to overdose on, basically. <laughs> um, but that wasn't the issue. So the first issue for Kelsey arose when the drug would start to be prescribed for morning sickness for pregnant women in other countries. She became worried because no tests were being done on the drug impact on fetuses. Mm -hmm. So there were no tests, you know, for pregnant women. There was no actual proof that it was safe. Yeah. And it was being produced basically for morning sickness. Wow. Yeah. In June of 1961, an article was written by Ray Nelson, an MD, titled Trial of Thalidomide and Insomnia Associated with the Third Trimester. And it was an article basically about how safe the drug was for late pregnancies. Yeah. So it didn't talk about early pregnancies? That wasn't the issue. Okay, it was the just... The issue was this article was actually not written by an MD. It was written by the medical director of the drug company. Oh, okay. So, the first big scandal that really happened. Yeah. Yeah. So six months later, long ignored evidence would link thalidomide to an outrageous birth defects, Mm -hmm. which I'll get more in depth in later. Even though hundreds of thousands of samples of the drug were given to American doctors, Kelsey delayed the approval of the drug and would delay a similar tragedy to occur in the United States, and it would be banned worldwide in November of 1961. Okay, yeah. Even though a hero in America, thalidomide would continue to have its wrath on children all over the world, especially in Germany, which they initially blamed the birth defects on nuclear fallout Mm -hmm. and or botched abortions. Okay. Yeah. And so basically anything that wasn't the drug. 
Yeah. Yeah. So we didn't actually get a formal apology from Grunenthal until 2012. Until 2012? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So basically they didn't take blame up until that point? Basically, yeah. That's crazy. Well, actually, I think they took blame, but yeah. they didn't apologize, apologize for it. To all the kids that they... Yeah. Yeah. And it, that's like 40, 40 years, I think. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. And like, how how many of those kids do you think died from their birth defects? I'll like, get into it. Okay. Yeah. Because, like, that's what I'm thinking. Like, some of them might have not even been alive to hear that apology. Yeah, exactly. So, Trinidad and Tobago, this is where Gazelle Cole was born. Uh, she was the firstborn of a young couple, and she suffers from a disability called focomilia, which comes from the Greek means of shorter arms are flipper-like. And she was one of the lucky ones that was impacted by this drug epidemic and is now the head spoken of the person against thalidomide. And I do want to talk about Fulcomelia for a second. So the main birth defect that thalidomide had on children was Fulcomelia. And I'll show you all a picture later, and I'll put it up on the Instagram. But they basically had, so their arms basically go to where our elbows go. Mm-hmm. And they have like really long fingers, so that it looks like flippers, right? Mm-hmm. So even with Kelsey's halt on the drug in America, the impact was still felt throughout thousands of children that were born at the time. Cases of children born without extremities would cause the FDA guidelines that we follow today. So all of the FDA guidelines towards drugs and any like pharmaceutical is because of thalidomide. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's definitely an awakening for the FDA for sure. Yeah. I came about this because I was wondering about, you know, because we like to talk about regulations and lack of regulations Mm -hmm. on the show. So I was wondering what started certain regulations. And this was the main one that I found for like the FDA and drugs. Yeah, we do a lot with um, uninformed consent and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. Especially like informed consent with drugs. Yeah. So So the children that were born with defects would be tormented, abandoned, or even euthanized because of their disability, leaving many to fend for themselves. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, um, so Gazelle Cole, uh, became the biggest, like, spokeswoman Mm -hmm. for thalidomide survivors, I guess, or people in, uh, affected by it. Yeah. And a lot of these kids were given into homes and, like, Like, there was, like, thalidomide homes, basically, where it was all these kids with, you know, they didn't have legs, they didn't have arms, they were, you know, born, quote, weird, right? Yeah. And so a lot of people gave them up, and a lot of people actually euthanized these children after they were born. Oh, my God. And I was wondering if there was any cases, right? Yeah. Like, legal suits? Yeah. Okay. So, in one case, a woman named Susan... Koipul Van Put and her doctor were charged with the mercy killing of her infant. So she mixed barbiturates given from her doctor enough to kill an infant and mixed it with the honey sweetened formula and the three week old baby died. So she killed her own baby because of the deformities? Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. So she basically was her her reasoning was that she I, thought yeah. the baby wouldn't have lived have a nice a nice life, life. so she yeah. decided to end it. Yeah. Ooh. That's not your choice to make and you're 
child is three weeks old, like, I mean, yeah, yeah, it's, <laughs> and uh, honestly, there could be an entire like conversation about conversa- this, yeah, especially now and just with current events, you know, and mm, I, you understand the perspective of I, I don't want my child to live that kind of life and have to suffer because of their disability, yeah, but I feel like a three week old child is just too far a three-week-old <laughs> child is a child so yeah that is a living and breathing baby yeah, yeah. <laughs> like yeah. so the jury actually didn't convict her and she what? was voted non-guilty 10 to 1 what yeah she killed her own baby and they were like that's fine after the nationwide ban i was wondering if anything else happened through thalidomide right like what happened after because yeah Clearly, you can't just take a drug that was so impactful. They teach you about it in biology class. Yeah, but and not do something with it after. Yeah. Because, I mean, this is was mad it, scientists. Was we know the harm only towards pregnant women? Like, did it work for other people, like, without any other bad side effects? I'm about to get into that. Okay, okay. So, in 1964, this was after the ban, in Jerusalem, a doctor decided to give a leprosy patient thalidomide. And that sparked an idea that thalidomide could be used for other things. And thalidomide is now used for multiple myeloma. I'm pretty sure that's how you pronounce it. It's a type of cancerous tumor. And it's also used for symptoms of HIV and AIDS and tuberculosis and Crohn's. So basically, I don't remember exactly what it does. I'm pretty sure... It's something about hemorrhaging blood flow to certain things. Mm. So that's what, you know, it would do. And that's why it created the deformities in the children. Oh, okay. Yeah. That makes more sense. And so now they use it for things like that. And in Brazil, it has been used for symptoms of leprosy. And over 100 children from 2005 to 2013 have been born with these disabilities as well. Wow. Yeah. And in like a little documentary that I watched, mm-hmm. uh, Gazelle, she was basically like, I wish it didn't have to come to this, that people, you know, wouldn't have to suffer mm-hmm. because of thalidomide as much as she did. And she was basically like, I hope one day we can find something else. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. But I mean, it, it does even show how and this this is a common theme throughout the show just new discoveries and unethical experiments and the positive impact they eventually have yeah like obviously there's victims and there's fault that needs to be put on someone in charge right but i mean ultimately we do learn and we do gain knowledge on a vast amount of content like drugs like this or which i feel like it could have been accomplished they did not have to mass produce it. Like they, <laughs> like yeah, there should have been more tests. There should have been more anything. You said like, that they had already like mass produced to like two, two million, million yeah, yeah pills or doses, however much before they were FDA approved. So they were looking to make a profit. They were looking yeah exactly to market and I just that's really where the issue comes in is the profit analysis of yeah, a new and, drug. And one interesting that I learned is actually when. When developing new drugs, the whole mindset is drugs are developed first and yeah. search for a disease. And I thought that that was kind of interesting. Like, even if they make something horrendous, 
like this. It's because they're looking for a disease for it to help. Yeah, exactly. I love how you can tell the difference between like Destiny as a marketing major and me as a science major because Destiny was talking about like the profit. And I was like, oh my gosh, I learned about this in bio class. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, a little bit. Over 10,000 babies worldwide were affected with about half passing away within their first couple months of life. 25 babies. Oh my God. We were waiting to say that. Stop. We were waiting. And if you don't understand where that came from, maybe you should listen to the other episodes. Fake fan. What was that episode two? Specifically episode two. Yeah. yeah, I think it was episode two. Go listen to episode two, but not now because we have more to say. We're not we're not done talking. <laughs> Pay attention. Continue, Maddie. Okay. So I was looking for like more cases that were actually done because of thalidomide and there were actually four dozen lawsuits from Hodgins, Berman, Sobel, Shapiro that were filed for clients who suffered the effects of thalidomide. And it wasn't until the 90s that victims would receive lump sum payments for their medical expenses due to the effects. So the, these people Yeah, so these people that were uh, affected by thalidomide weren't helped at all. Like, there was no compensation whatsoever until the 90s. Yeah, they weren't helped until the 90s, and they weren't given a formal apology until... Until the 2010s. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. And I looked it up, and it looks like Grunenthal is still active and has a revenue of over 1.4 billion euros as of 2019. That's wild that they're still functioning. Yeah. That's insane. And a billion-dollar company. (laughs) I mean, that much makes sense. I mean, they're medical. Yeah. All right, yeah, so that's all I have. I think it's my turn. Yeah. Uh, So if y'all don't remember, or if y'all haven't watched it, go watch episode four. Because in episode four, I promised that in this episode, Mm -hmm. I would do the history of the vibrator. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) And why it was created. So uh, my little hook, my little title is, I don't know if y'all know, the song by Marky Mark and the Funky Brunt, Bunch, Brunch, and the Funky Bunch called Feel the Vibration. It's like, it's like, come on, come on, feel it, feel it, feel the vibration. You know that song? Yeah. So I entitled it, Come On, Come On, Feel the Vibration. Wait. But it wasn't spelled C-O-M-E. Oh my God. <laughs> I spelled it a different way. Yeah. A different way, if you will. A different you way. <laughs> so. Let's start off with what hysteria is, because hysteria is kind of like the big overarching theme as to why the vibrator was created. Okay. So hysteria was a common diagnosis for women back in the day who exhibited behaviors of anxiety and sexual desire. Right? So existing, being anxious. Yeah, I was just about to say, I'm not sexist, I promise, but isn't that just the normal state of woman? No, no, no. So I said anything out of the ordinary, in quotation marks, a woman showcased towards others was considered hysteria. So any emotional difference between a woman and a man. Interesting. Anything like they thought was just different, they were like hysteria. They're like, oh, she's like sad. Oh, she's feeling hungry. Oh, (laughs) no, like literally. She's hungry. Get the vibrator. (laughs) (laughs) No, like literally. So um, it is derived from the Greek word for uterus. So it's specifically for women. Okay. 
And then this diagnosis was used up until the early 19th century. That makes sense. Okay. Got yeah. it? Got it? Okay. <laughs> yeah. So hysteria was mainly diagnosed towards women with pent up sexual tension, including nuns, widows, and spinsters. <gasps> now, do y'all know what a spinster is? I do not. So I got the definition right here. All right. <laughs> so it's an unmarried older woman, normally beyond the quotation appropriate marriage age. Okay. It's so like an older woman. Okay. So 14. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like 16. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But the idea that hysteria was mainly diagnosed towards women with pent up sexual tension was actually proven false by many married women falling prey to the hysteria like outbreak, I guess. Yeah. Ask your question. I have a question. How do they know? Like, I like I get the whole, yeah, that's like sexual attention, whatever. But like, how do they know? They were True. like, how did they the were men like, know? I'm so turned on right now. They just told a bunch of men and they were like, hysteria. Like, how? I'm assuming it's because they thought hysteria was like this idea of like pent up sexual attention. And they're like, who doesn't get laid? Nuns, widows, spinsters. (laughs) (laughs) That's very true. Yeah. So they're like, these people are probably very hysteric. And probably just like in the way that they acted, they were probably like sometimes like had like outbreaks of like emotions, you know? Okay. What about everyone else that had outbreaks of emotion? They were just like, "Mm, you get some. You're not hysterical. You're just. Mm. If it was a woman, they probably thought she was hysterical. So like if they caught any woman masturbating, I'm guessing. Maybe. I don't know. I didn't really, like, look into that aspect of it. Well, no, because, like... I know what you mean, because it's, like, pent-up sexual tension. So, like... But I'll kind of get... I'll kind of get into that. Okay. Not really, but, like, kind of. Okay. You'll see. It was thought that using a clitoral orgasm would help treat hysteria. Oh. Yes. This idea can be traced all the way back to the first century AD. Whoa. Yeah. They knew. They knew. (laughs) (laughs) They knew. So at first, doctors would treat hysteria with their hands by inducing paroxysm. I looked it up to how to say that word. It's paroxysm, I think. Okay. And what is that? Uh, so this is now known as the sexual climax. Paroxysm. Oh. Yes. So they just started hooking up with their doctors. That's what I'm hearing. They would use their hands. Okay. So they yes. were just being fingered by the doctors. No, because it was, it was a clitoral orgasm. Maddie doesn't understand. You understand, Destiny? Yeah, I would hope I did, but like. Maddie okay, doesn't. so the doctors were rubbing on their clits. Yes. Okay, yes. got it. Yes. Listen, I'm a homosexual, <laughs> but I know better. So, so. <laughs> okay, so manual stimulation ended up being time consuming. <laughs> Man. Man. <laughs> like, like, like manual steering. It's like, oh, you got to use your hands, like, as opposed to automatic. So, yeah, so, like, manual stimulation. So, doctors using their, their hands ended up being time-consuming and tedious for doctors to perform. So, here's a little tidbit I found. Doctors normally pass the work over to midwives. And I also put on the little side, lesbians. <laughs> Wait. So a doctor was were getting so tired of, of yes. carrying hysteria that yes. they just made... <laughs> they made midwives do it. They were Whoa. getting tired of rubbing well, women's clits. <laughs> well, well, honestly, if you think about it, a woman knows that area the best. Fair. Especially lesbians. I'm exactly. Just I'm just So, saying. yeah. It was a homoerotic experience for both of them. <laughs> just saying. 
So the invention of electricity made this task easier, and this is where we're going to get into the vibrator portion. Okay. So the first vibrator was patented in the early 1880s, and it was originally, okay, it wasn't originally used for this. It was originally used as, like, a back massager. Okay. Like, to massage, like, sore spots on your body. Yeah, so, I mean, like, we have that now. Yes. And so, but doctors soon realized its usefulness and efficiency. They started using it to treat hysteria instead of using their hands. Okay. Because it was more efficient. Yeah. Than having to sit there and, like, go at it. Go at it, you know? This type of service became so popular, as in, like, the vibrator, that manufacturers had to warn doctors not to overdo it. Oh, my God. (laughs) Yeah. They had to tell doctors, don't overdo the vibrators, because the women are going to, like, start getting, like, used to it. Like, you build, like, the certain toleration towards, like, that type of stimulation, and then it won't, like, feel like anything if you keep doing it over and over. You build up a tolerance. Interesting. They said they're going to be so disappointed. Don't do it. Do it in moderation. Moderation. Wait. I w- so, wait. <laughs> <laughs> I just died. <laughs> so my thought mm-hmm. was, do you think that they said that because men were scared that women were going to use that instead of sex. That's so interesting to think about. (coughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's so interesting to think about. I didn't think about it like that, but possibly because knowing men and their egos. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. It's definitely a a possibility. This was one of my like favorite facts that I read. Besides the lesbians part. Um, (laughs) Okay. By the turn of the century, catalogs advertise models for women who wanted to try this type of treatment at home. So like your own very own vibrator at home. Per. This makes the vibrator the fifth ever electric appliance to enter homes. Oh my God. (laughs) Was the vibrator created before the toaster? I think it might have been. They had the, no. They had like a list of like certain things. I did, I was gonna write them out, but then I didn't. I think it was, it was an oven and other things. I don't know a if it light was a toaster. Bulb? Maybe a, yeah, definitely a light bulb because yeah. I think a light bulb came first. But the vibrator was a fifth, but appliance, so not a light bulb. Okay, because okay. a light bulb's not an appliance. But it's the fifth ever appliance electric appliance to enter the household. Wow. The vibrator. Wow. Yeah. Vibrators are older than crock pots. Yeah. Vibrators are older microwaves. than microwaves. So microwave popcorn, the vibrator is older than that. I don't know why. I just didn't understand. I didn't. I, I just thought you know it was the guy a guy who thing. actually made the microwave made microwave popcorn as well. But he didn't make the vibrator. No, he didn't. Not so slay for him. Honestly. No, honestly, I would rather make a vibrator than microwave popcorn. Honestly. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, at least you can have a dinner and a show. <laughs> oh, oh, unfortunately me. Oh. <laughs> oh, Guys, we are on one tonight. Oh my God. <laughs> we are okay. all on very much lack of sleep. Yes, yes. Okay, okay. Unfortunately, its legitimacy as a medical device, the vibrator, declined in the 1920s after Sigmund Freud identified perioxism as sexual instead of like medical you know to treat it like because perioxism was like it's gonna treat hysteria yeah but he was like nah that's just sexual okay so, yeah. yeah so yeah and then that's all i have interesting i know that's very interesting i also love how freud comes into this even without trying yeah like 
I don't think we should take advice from men that are sexually attracted to their mothers, personally. <laughs> um, so Freud killed the vibrator for a few years? That doesn't surprise me. He killed the vibrator for medical reasons. I'm pretty sure the vibrator was still going strong with the woman. Yeah. <laughs> Ready for my hook? Yeah. For my mad scientist? It's called Body Snatchers Get Binded. Dot, dot, dot. <laughs> for science? Question mark? <laughs> okay. All right. So, <laughs> between the years of 1827 and 29, 16 murders were committed by one William Burke and one William Hare. So they have the same first name. Will oh. squared? Don't bring math into this. <laughs> we're going to call them Burke and Hare. Um, a little background on just like kind of what was happening in uh, the social climate. This happened in the Scottish capital of Edinburgh. They were leading in medical advances at the time, but they were having a medical shortage of corpses to perform medical experiments on. And so, yes, they were leading, but they were running out of cadavers, right? Okay. Um, Scottish law said um, that you cannot accept a corpse unless it was a deceased prisoner Orphan or suicide victim. Which, if you think about it, that's a special group. Yeah. <laughs> Why a suicide victim? Like, I just, I don't get that. And orphans? It's not their fault. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, orphans? I didn't hear you say orphans. Prisoners that died, okay. orphans that died, and suicide victims that died. They could just do whatever they wanted with their bodies. Oh, my God. Okay, I feel like, not that it was okay, but oh I feel like... <laughs> I feel like the reason for orphans is because they didn't have parents, so they didn't, like, have to go through that, like, could you use the body? You know what I mean? For yeah, science, because yeah, yeah. they didn't have parents. They didn't have to get consent from parents. What episode was it where we talked about, you talked about orphans? Yes. Yeah. And I was like, they already don't have parents. Don't put them through it even more. The right? Same, same thing here. It's just, like, it's just an interesting group of people. I can't believe they violated their bodies like that. You don't know what they did yet. Oh. Shh. That's so right. No, but they were they were like morticians, right? Like they did autopsies and stuff, used human body parts for stuff. So I can Im I can imagine. <laughs> you're you're in the right direction, but yeah. So because of the shortage of cadavers, right? This paved the way for an illegal market of corpses for the use of scientific purposes. Um, and that's kind of where the whole lore behind grave robbing comes from, if you're familiar okay. with it. Yeah. Was, it's from Edinburgh and just from this time specifically and to do with the uh, two Williams, uh, Burke and Hare. So on November 29th of 1827, okay. a lodger died in his own unit owing rent money to none other than William Hare, his landlord. Infuriated, that is... Hare, by the tenant's untimely death, Hare sold the tenant's body for a prize bid of seven pounds to account for the four pounds that he was indebted to, along with the help of his friend, William Burke. So, he sold the dead man's body to pay off the debt of rent that he was indebted. How, how did the man die? Yeah. Can you, yeah, did you say how the man died? It, of old age or some kind of like medical. I mean, it wasn't. It wasn't a murder. It was okay. So not death. one of the three that was mentioned. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and he just sold his body because he needed. He like was missing that money from the man. But Imagine if that's how death was. Our 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 debt was dealt with. <laughs> yeah, I'm just gonna sell your dead, lifeless body. Yeah, I like mean, your I'm body not, uh, has yeah. to be sold. <laughs> I know. So it kind of sparked a 
sparked an interest in old um, Burke Hare. Hare. That was the first guy. And he recruited his friend William Burke along with him. But they didn't stop there. The pair began to seek out new victims to sell to science by getting victims really drunk and smothering them to get to death. <gasps> so, fun fact, when you smother someone to death, I don't know if there's some people who probably shouldn't know this. When you smother someone to death, at least at this time, there was no way to medically prove how they died or didn't die. Wow. Yeah, so there was no telling. That's why they chose to yeah. Interesting. So this is like mad scientists and, and people, people gone, gone mad. mad. That's oh what my. I was thinking about. Yeah. Because like they're literally murdering people. They're serial killers. <laughs> yeah. No, literally. They're serial killers. But they kind of like, they're kind of making, they're making money though. Yeah. Right? They're just kind of, I mean, they're playing the field. But I mean, yeah. But let, let's get into who they chose as their victims. Because they had to pick people, right? Yeah. So keep in mind, Scottish law said that you could only... Use prisoners, orphans, and suicide victims, right? Okay. <laughs> so they did not do that. <laughs> Instead, they targeted people who they thought were the weakest link. So that was the homeless and, and impoverished. Um, and so their victims included 12 women, two handicapped children, and two men. <laughs> one, one that was ill, and then the other one uh, was an elderly man. So just every oh like small, God. weak minority group, they were like, no. Mm-mm. Two handicapped children? Yeah. Twice? It happened twice? Yeah. Oh my god. Wait, so you said they got them drunk and then smothered them? The handicapped children too? I'm not sure about the details because I didn't look into every single case because there are so many of them. But yeah. that was their... I mean, they could have. I'm not entirely positive. But I know especially for the older, like the women, the 12 women, mm. they would get them drunk. They would have them over. So they're actually both of their wives. So both of the Williams, both of their wives were in on the whole scam of it. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it was a uh, it was two couple it was yeah, two couples that were in on it, but it was primarily Burke and Hare. Um the doctor, quote unquote, that Burke and Hare sold the bodies to, when questioned after everything had already been um discovered, said that he didn't believe there was any pow- foul play just because of the nature of their killings because they were suffocated. He didn't know, he said. Yeah. But I mean also, would he admit his fault? Probably not. Um, but for their last victim, it was the night of October 31st. Oh. And William Halloween. and Burke, Halloween. Uh, they invited the Irish immigrant by the name of Margaret, I don't know how to say her last name, Daughtry, to be their new corpse. Mm. So they invited her over, they got her drunk, and then the next morning, so as I mentioned in the very beginning, Hare, William Hare, he was a landlord, and he had some like units that he rented out to people. One of the tenants, one of the lodgers that he had, found the body of Margaret the mm-hmm. next morning and alerted the authorities. Um, and the two Williams, Hare and Burke, they tried to bribe the witness after they were traumatized from finding a dead person's body in their apartment complex, <laughs> yeah. they, they tried to bribe her or him with 10 pounds per week. Uh, the witness refused and alerted the police. Only when the police came around, the body was missing. Oh. So this obviously led to investigations. The police investigated local labs where the body was being prepared 
for experiments. So that was Margaret's body mm-hmm. because she was still most of the way intact. They were able to identify her. But the other victims were not so fortunate because their bodies had been used for a various array of experiments. A lot of their body parts were cut out and pickled. And so one of the ways that they tried to identify the other victims of Hare and Burke was by taking the organs out of the pickling jars and examining the size of them because they didn't know yeah 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 mad bad and yuck mad bad and yuck mad bad and yuck but like i said the other victims were mutilized and so they weren't as fortunate to be recognized until much much later so after the public and um, officials were alerted of just all of the mass i mean that's 17 people within the span of how many years? Two years. A span of two years of 17 people. Wow, yeah. Yeah, so that's a lot of people, and especially in one small community. So there was a public uprising. By no surprise, citizens were outraged by the idea of murdering for science, and it furthered an anti-science notion, almost. And so there was, like, a protest and things of that nature that went along with that. So when Hare and Burke were... On stand, Hare was granted immunity after he admitted his involvement in the murders, and he actually went free. Keep in mind, Hare was the one that initially found yeah. the man. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. He was the one that originally found the dead man, sold him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. So, Him and his wife went free. So they wow. were able to gain immunity because he confessed to his involvement, but he never faced any punishment for it, and there's little to find about him. This is where it's wild okay so there was another guy burke because of the social climate and all of the anti-science mobs breaking out in the streets they needed to have someone to hold accountable so they chose that person to be burke because he wasn't working as cooperatively with the authorities and the uh, scottish judges as Hare did so Hare was granted immunity burke was publicly executed <gasps> He was publicly executed and in a dark twist of humor on the Scottish judge's behalf, his body was donated to science. Oh. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> okay. His skeleton is presently on display in the Edinburgh Medical School, along with a book. This is, this is where you can understand the hook. That was created and binded from Burke's skin. <gasps> and it's on display. Oh. <laughs> My God. No. I swear I've heard about that on like Mysteries at the Museum or something. Yeah. 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 I feel like they talked about that. Not even joking. I was in shock. I was like, there's no way this is real. Because at first I was just like, oh, it's like body snatching. Right. And I was like, okay, like grave robbing. Right. And then they were like, and then they binded his skin into a book. And I was like, this cannot be real no it's on display i didn't look up a picture but i want to find one and put it on the instagram oh my god So like they skinned him after he died and they made a book out of his skin i would assume that's how they got that's how they harvested the skin but i mean think about it uh 16 17 something like that people that he had done this to 12 women two handicapped children and then um an elderly man and a sick man so i mean i don't know i just my thoughts are kind of just not as sympathetic, but I do think it's a little bit funny. That's it's just crazy. His skin is a book. No, no, I'm not like sympathetic about it. I'm just like, I, no, like he's a book now, guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like if 
if you think about it like on that. On the podcast that, that I listened to, mm-hmm. that's actu- that was actually like a big practice of making things out of skin. All I know is I was reading this and I, and they were like, yeah, they hung him. And I was like, <gasps> and then they were like, they put his skeleton on display. And I was like, oh my God. And then the last <laughs> little paragraph that I was reading when I was researching was like, oh yeah. And they turned his skin into a book and put it on display. This is still on display. I forget. It's in Edinburgh, I think. The Edinburgh Medical School of something. Um, I just wrote Edinburgh Medical School in my notes. It's wild. It's wild. crazy. I'm sorry. I'm trying to find the the word. The word? Oh. Further than this, though, and like kind of just in conclusion and wrapping things up, there was an act passed in 1892 that kind of just stated that unclaimed bodies from factories, that's dead bodies, um, yeah. that were not claimed after 48 hours, could be taken and used for medical purposes. And this kind of alleviated the need for cadavers for yeah. scientific purposes. Um, but before then, there was a need, and then there was people <laughs> willing to meet those needs. But until then, there was a shortage. Can you find the word? I did. Okay. <laughs> I'm definitely going to say this wrong. Anthropodermic bibliopagy. Bibliopagy. Yeah. Anthropodermic bibliopagy. We'll, we'll try and upload like a pronunciation when we post the picture on the Instagram because <laughs> I don't understand that. But yeah, I'm pretty sure that's that's what it's called. Anthro means human. Derm means skin. Biblio whatever means library. Book. Like library book. book. Yeah. yeah. Like biblioteca is library. Yeah. In so it's so it's anthropodermic bibliopagy. And yeah. that's that's the practice of turning human skin into a book. Yes. That yeah. makes sense. The words make sense together. <laughs> Do you have any questions? I wanted to go ahead and get into my mad side. Not no, bad, but I will say that there's bad. also a practice, I don't remember which culture, where they uh, skin humans from the torso down, and they make skin pants, and then they wear them. All right. Um, so should we go ahead with People Gone Mad? Yeah, I think it's okay. time for People Gone Mad. So my hook is put your money where your iconic face is. And now, I want to clarify, when I say iconic face, iconic is capitalized, and so is face, and there is two C's in face. F-A-C-C-E, face. Okay. This is very important, okay? Very, very important. So capital iconic. Capital F in face, and two C's, F-A-C-C-E, iconic face. And I want you to think about it like I just said, iconic face. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Uh, on March 22nd of 2019, so this is kind of recent, iconic face struck in the town of Gulfport, Mississippi. Oh, this is a thing. <laughs> yes. Okay. Iconic face walked into a local bank in Gulfport, Mississippi. Face handed the teller a handwritten note, which read, you have one minute to give the money. Do not be wrong or die. <laughs> Or die. Wait, so is that the name of the person? Like like the name that they went by was Iconic Face? Or was that their C's? actual name? They changed it legally to Iconic Face. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> but it's important to understand, understand what they wanted the money for, okay? Okay. Okay. So <laughs> also another thing that I noticed when I was reading this, 
the note that's that's like in quotation marks so that's like what the note said word for word they never said an an amount nothing it was just like make sure it's right i said you have one minute to give money do not be wrong (laughs) die and that's all it said it was only like a sticky note or something when i uh, was reading about it um (laughs) but also when said person was robbing the bank okay they had no weapon they had nothing they had nothing so iconic face i'm gonna show you a picture of what iconic face looks like okay but they were wearing some some chunky sunglasses like a business polo and some khakis and that's it like they weren't wearing anything fancy (laughs) they had no weapon and i'm gonna show y'all some pictures i think i'm gonna upload uh some too to the instagram but after leaving because the bank teller just called the police. They yeah. read it and yeah. they were like, no, <laughs> no. So they called the police and then Face, we're going to call her Face, left. Face was reported to be bandaged and swollen as one might expect after having rhinoplasty or another non-vital facial procedure. Okay. Plastic surgery. Okay. Plastic surgery. After fleeing the scene, Face's pictures from the bank security cameras were posted and the public was asked to help identify this iconic face. <gasps> <laughs> so the police didn't really do much. They just kind of put the pictures out on the internet and we're like, all right, let's find do them, your right? Job. <laughs> no, actually. So um Face was immediately recognized. <laughs> um who uh, Face was previously known as Jimmy Maurice Louis II. Okay. That's, not, that's a mouthful. Anyways, I can see why they changed their name to Iconic Face. Anyways. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, they arrived and were arrested at the Houston International Airport as they were attempting to re-enter the country after having multiple plastic surgery procedures done in oh Mexico. When questioned, they said that the reason that they... And they also pleaded guilty when they were called. This is important. Okay. Uh, the reason that they decided to rob the bank was because they needed money to go to Mexico and create that <laughs> iconic face. <laughs> <laughs> so they got the name before they actually got the face? Mm-hmm. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah. No, actually. When they were um, in the legal suit, um, they found they found iconic face guilty for another robbery and i forget i think that was in uh alabama there was another there was another alleged robbery that they had committed i don't know <laughs> so so not only did they face time in federal prison for the one robbery <laughs> they went to prison for 15 years <gasps> Oh my God! For fifteen years, fifteen years they were in prison. What and year just, was this again? Mm, this was twenty nineteen. Oh, okay. And instead of and so instead of um, the court date was in twenty twenty two or twenty twenty one. Supposedly that's when they set it for. But mm-hmm. instead of just waiting for the court date, they pleaded guilty and so just decided to take the years because there was no. There could have been drug use involved. I didn't see anything that said that, but it doesn't really make any sense to walk in a bank. <laughs> Dress like a soccer mom and be like, give me money. If you wrong, die. Like, it doesn't make <laughs> any wrong, sense. Die. Yeah. Um, and so I want to show you what um, <laughs> woman named Iconic Face accused of robbing banks to pay for okay. plastic surgery. I'm scared. <gasps> <laughs> oh. 
Yeah, I would never forget that face. That is an iconic face. <laughs> that is an iconic face. Iconic. Icon. So, actually, their name wasn't always Iconic Face. After the first robbery incident, they changed their name to Iconic Face and went to, Mex- went to Mexico, got plastic surgery, and came back and then tried. I think it was after, yeah, so they went to Mexico after the first robbery and then came back, tried to rob a bank in Gulfport, Mississippi. With bandages still on their face, and <laughs> and then fled back to Mexico with no no additional money from robbing the bank. Came back to Houston, the uh, Houston International Airport. Got arrested. Went to jail for fifteen years. So they're still not out, and they won't be for a very long time. Oh um, my god! But yeah, put your money where your iconic face is at. <laughs> no, we'll like literally. Okay, twenty nineteen, we were fifteen. So we'll literally be 30 when they get out of jail. Wow. Listen. We're just kind of staring at that iconic <laughs> face iconic right now. Iconic face. It's very, very vital that everyone gets to see this iconic face. And it's important to see also the way that they spell their name is iconic, F-A-C-C-E. Iconic Fassy. face. Iconic face. Iconic. Uh, yeah. Why would you? Like, you're already naming iconic yourself. Face. I wonder if they had a middle name somewhere up in there or just iconic face and that was it. I don't know. That's so funny. And then all of like, so this is like from, this is from, yeah, from Cox Media Group. Um, But like all the headlines read iconic face accused of robbing bank for plastic surgeries. And so everyone was really confused in the media for a while. And I read an article about it, about like the confusion of like, they, they read iconic face and they didn't get that it was like, Actually, the name of a person name, yeah. yeah and so they just thought a celebrity robbed a bank and no one understood and so I, it was a weird thing and no one yeah. really understood what was going on but that's all i have i just thought it was kind of funny that they were named <laughs> iconic face it is an iconic face it i think an, so it is a very iconic face honestly icon they should have used a different shade of lipstick but i mean yeah the lipstick is really there but that's all i have and i think Maddie, I think mm-hmm. Maddie was supposed to go next, and his will be a little bit more true crime than mine. <laughs> I have been anticipating Maddie's because what Maddie told me is that I am going to have a little story to tell about it. You will, and I cannot wrap my brain around any story that I would have to tell. <laughs> so I'm just gonna. Yeah. So again, we don't. Yeah, we don't tell each other the stories beforehand because we want it to be a surprise. We yeah. want real we genuine want reactions. A, yeah, a genuine reaction. So. Yeah. She has no idea but I've been who my thinking. person is going to be, pondering. what my crime is. But it is super very local. I love that. Yeah. Ava's going to have a little story to tell. And I know the story. And I was there, actually. Not during the crime. Okay. <laughs> okay. Love that. So my little hook mm-hmm. is for a man from Livingston, he's not very lively. I do want to say one thing. I hate Livingston Parish. I, I'm sorry. If you're from Livingston Parish, you're right. I'm from fucking Livingston Parish, Ava. <laughs> you should know that. I almost died in Livingston Parish. Everyone's almost died in Livingston Parish. <laughs> Livingston Parish. I grew up there. I know. You don't like people from Livingston Parish? That's for another time. Anyways, okay. moving on. Okay. Maybe for another time. <laughs> All right, so around midnight of October 9th, a string of shootings would begin a manhunt that lasted throughout the day. I remember this. Yeah. I remember 
for this? Yeah. Oh, I have a couple stories from this, actually. I can tell two. Okay. So, Matthew Meyer, age 31, went into his neighbor's home in French Settlement, Livingston Parish, where he would shoot the husband in the arm and the leg and the mm. wife in the arm. Both are to survive and fully recover. Okay. He then ran into nearby woods and found a house that he would steal a blue... 2013 Chevy Silverado. He then went to Prairieville, Louisiana, where he ambushed a state trooper in a parked car and shot him to death while the state trooper was just doing paperwork. And because of radio silence by the trooper during the search, no one was aware that he was shot until several hours after his murder. Mm -hmm. And the car was parked not far from the second invasion. And the second invasion... He broke into a home and shot two people in Prairieville around 3 a.m. He shot the boyfriend in the neck and the elbow. It. I tried to find where his girlfriend was shot, but I couldn't really find mm-hmm. it. They were found by a family member and were both taken to the hospital where the girlfriend would sadly pass away. Mm-hmm. But the boyfriend was stable in critical yeah. condition. Turns out the girlfriend was actually his half-sister. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So at 5 a.m., authorities were attempting to stop a pickup truck for just like a usual Mm -hmm. traffic stop when they began to undergo fire from the vehicle. And this was believed to have been Mir. I remember that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so the department added, as the search for Mir progressed, Louisiana State Police, Homeland Security Investigators, U.S. Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearm, L.A. Department of Correction, Ascension Parish Sheriff's Office, and East Baton Rouge Parish Sheriff's Office worked together in the search area near Hushatu Road and the Tiger Bend Bridge. After being located and taken into custody without incident, Mir was transported to a local hospital for injuries that he sustained from a canine bite and because he fucking shot himself in the leg. (laughs) What? Whenever he was being arrested, he shot himself in the leg. Yeah, on sounds purpose. like a sounds like a Livingston Parish man thing. <laughs> on purpose? Why would he shoot himself in the leg on purpose? I don't know. It just sounds self-inflicted gunshot to the wound to the leg. What? I don't know. I don't think he did it on purpose. No, I don't think he did it on purpose. I, I think it just, was an accident. I think he was trying to fire his gun and it he accidentally just fucking fired, shot himself like, in the shot, leg. Yeah. I was about to say, if you were just like, oh man, I got caught, like, and you were trying to kill yourself. That's not the right place. <laughs> or maybe he was like, maybe he was like, I can get away from like the cops if I have to go to the hospital first. Like I can get away f- from my charge. No, after that he was immediately yeah, taken to prison. But like I was just saying, it would, it would be like it would be like a little break to like maybe think about what you've done. I guess. <laughs> so his charges were attempted first degree murder, aggravated flight from an officer, illegal possession of a stolen firearm, and obstruction of justice counts against him in East Baton Rouge. So. This man has a lot on him now, and he pleaded not guilty for two counts of first-degree murders, two counts of attempted first-degree murders, home invasion, attempted armed robbery, illegal possession of a stolen firearm, obstruction of justice, and resisting an officer. Wow. So he said, "Mm, that wasn't me. (laughs) He's just like, no. No, no, uh, 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 Guys, you actually got the wrong guy. Like, (laughs) what are you doing? It turns out that he hasn't been charged with any of these things yet, but his given trial date is September 12th. <gasps> That's this Monday. Go, not 
tomorrow, but the next Monday. Yeah. It's the fourth right now. So by next episode. We'll have an update. I should have an update. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So now I'm going to give my little story. Okay. So if you guys don't know, which you don't because Maddie didn't say. <laughs> yeah. Where the cop got shot was off of Airline Highway. Mm-hmm. And my job that I was time. at that night at the time is also off of airline highway <laughs> and i was in fact at that job and airline is a it's kind of it's a big road but where he was shot uh, to my job was, was not far like a mile away not far at all yeah so my manager happened to be working that night normally she didn't work more uh, nights mm-hmm. and she called the like owner of our location and told him hey there's shootings going on and off of 73, there is a, like, car, like, chase with, like, guns and stuff. Yeah. Can we please co- close early tonight? <laughs> and he was like, yeah, I guess, like, an hour. So we normally close at 9. We close at 8 that night. Yeah. And then I went home, and I was fine. But no, I ended up showing up that night. <gasps> I remember we that. We didn't know what the that. hell was going on. And we were, closing, and we were like. Right? Yeah, we were like, oh, we have an hour until they close. We're going to go stop by and say hi. And we showed up and all the doors were locked and we were like, what the fuck is going on? At first, we, no, I remember at first, because you were wearing a wig. You were wearing the wig, the oh black my God, wig. Oh that's so right. Yes, You're and so I was right. like, I was like, there's this random man outside because I was closing lobby that night. I was yeah. so scared. I was like, Savannah Brady, <laughs> there's, <laughs> there's a random man outside. <laughs> so, yeah. We walk in and then they're like, "Yeah, there's like an active shooter on the on the loose right now." And we were like, "What the fuck?" Yeah. <laughs> yeah and then was... we went home and we were going down 73. I'm pretty sure we saw his truck. Yeah. Not 100% sure. But also, I But I am pretty sure we saw his truck. I want to add the gas another station. little thing. Um the next day I went to school and everyone was talking about it, obviously. Yeah. And this girl in my English class, apparently her stepfather lived off Hushitu. And the guy went on their ring doorbell and, like, he knocked at night and they caught him on the ring. That's terrible. Oh, yeah. That's scary. Luckily enough, they didn't let him in and he didn't, like, break in or anything. But that's what she said. I don't know if that actually happened, but that is what she said. That's scary. Yeah. That's wow. terrifying. I would have cried. Yeah. So he's now being held at Louisiana State Penitentiary, even though he hasn't been convicted, which most people will be put in jail, not in. Yeah, prison. in prison. Yes, we learned about that on my intro to crime study class. Yeah. So most people will be put in jail, not in prison, but due to the severity of his crime, yeah. they just put him directly into prison. And he was also arrested for assault in 2017 when he attacked his grandfather, the same one that found his second victim. His grandfather told him to clean up after himself, and Mir told him that he was going to shoot himself, and then he assaulted him. What? Yeah. This man's just a little bit mad, bad, and, and yuck. yuck. Yeah. He also has charges for DUIs and other oh. just like mm-hmm. That's really misdemeanors. Really sweet. Yeah. Don't talk about misdemeanors like that, first of all. <laughs> Anyways. And I did think that this was kind of sad, but another family member said that Mir's girlfriend actually overdosed a couple months before uh, this. And he never really recovered, and that's probably... He probably was just in a manic state at all times, and that's probably what happened. Mm -hmm. So there probably wasn't a motive 
because I tried to look everywhere and they still don't have a motive. I mean, he never pled uh, guilty, so he clearly couldn't yeah. have set a motive. <laughs> yeah. But I think it was just like a manic state that happened. That would make sense. I mean, especially for like mentally ill people, like something that traumatic will definitely cause. Yeah. Uh, I also found his Instagram oh, and his Facebook. Oh, that's so cute. Oh, you're like me? Yeah. <laughs> Is that all? all? Right. Yeah, that's all I have. Okay, I guess it's my turn. Now, this is a really sad one, guys. I'm gonna put that out there. Okay. Um, but I kind of want to spread awareness, especially because right now... So this is about the hazing of Max Groover. And it's especially, like, important right now because bids are going on, like, rushing's going on with fraternities. Yeah. And this happened, I think, after... He was already accepted into the fraternity, yeah. like an initiation thing, you know. So it's just like, and it happened at Louisiana State University, yeah, <laughs> which is where Destiny and I go. So slay. slay. So I <laughs> just think it's important for people to know, yeah, to hear the story, you know. Yeah. So September fourteenth, twenty seventeen, marked Max Groover's twenty ninth day at Louisiana State University, LSU. So I did a little background on who he was because I really wanted to showcase, like, shine a light on, like, how good of a person he was Mm -hmm. before what happened. So this I all got. His parents started their own nonprofit organization called the Max Groover Foundation, and I got this, like, pretty much all from there. Mm -hmm. So he was a freshman at LSU and was majoring in political communications. He was from Roswell, Georgia, but always wanted to go to an out-of-state college. Yeah. His friends and family note him as being kind and generous, earning him the nickname of Gentle Giant from his friends and family. Aww. Yeah. So LSU was the first college ever to accept him, mm-hmm. even though it was his last application that he sent in. Okay. Oh, wow. Yeah. So he and his father hastily went to tour it because he was so excited. He's like, I got accepted into college. So his mother, Ray Ann Groover, recalls that when she got home from work on the evening they returned from the tour... There was an LSU bound sign out in front of their house. Okay. So he was like set that he was going to go there. Mm-hmm. So he had, ori- he had originally planned not to rush at all, but over the summer decided to change his mind. But I did, it like wasn't ever noted like what made him change his mind. Yeah. So like, I don't know. But over the summer he did decide I'm going to rush. Mm-hmm. He received multiple invitations from different fraternities, but ultimately decided on Phi Delta Theta. His mom said it was because the smaller size would allow for Max to eventually move up and have a leadership position. Mm-hmm. And then I also wanted to add that my roommate's dad was a part of this fraternity. Whoa. At least wow. that's what she told me. Yeah. So, yeah. But her dad was part of it, like, way back in the day. Mm-hmm. So his parents did research on the fraternity and were glad to see that it seemed to be an anti-hazing and it was also, ha- like, it had an anti-alcohol house. Okay. We would later found out that this was a hard bend from the truth Mm. so max would update his parents frequently during rush week telling them that all was well his mother actually ended up switching from communicating with him on like the phone like through messages and calling to snapchat because he was an infrequent texter and caller yeah me so yeah (laughs) so his mother snapchatted him right before he went to his fraternity's bible study and the bible study is what eventually made him pass so it's noted that the last communication she ever had with her son was through snapchat so i want to give a quick history of phi delta theta's hazing past okay. because although on like the book they were like we don't do hazing like we're an anti-alcohol house 
they were on probation for a long time because of hazing. Yeah. So I just wanted to go in like a couple other examples before I get into the Bible study mm-hmm. and what happened. So they they had this thing called the capture game. So in 2014, the frat was already placed on probation when they received another complaint for the capture game. So what the capture game was, was active members were kidnapping pledges and then they required other pledges to rescue them. God. Oh my god. Yeah. Yeah. So the kidnapped pledges were forced to drink alcohol before they were released. Mm. A lot of things with hazing is like forced alcohol consumption. Yeah. They were because of this complaint they were forced to discontinue the game, but when I read on later on they got more and more complaints that they finally got rid of the game after a while. Okay, so they were yeah. probably still doing it even though they said that they would discontinue the game. Yeah. So the fraternity also had problems with forced servitude, verbal abuse, forced alcohol consumption and more. Nasty. So they would make their pledges, do stuff for them, and they would force them to drink alcohol and then they would verbally abuse them. Were some of like the big things. <laughs> I hate fraternities so, do so I. much. No, literally, oh, my oh God. My, I could go on and on for hours about how much I hate fraternities. Me too. Ava. Ava, I'm in a fraternity. Yeah, but you're in a different type of fraternity. It's not like this type of fraternity, you know? I'm in a co-ed business fraternity, not a social fraternity, to be clear. <laughs> exactly. Have you been hazed in this? Have you been forced to drink alcohol? No, but I do have a certificate an anti-hazing policy because of my fraternity. I took a class. Per. See, Her. see, that's what fraternities should do. But they exactly. Don't. They don't. So yeah. So I just I hate fraternities. So now I'm gonna get into what the Bible study was. Okay. So LSU police discovered that the Bible study was like a code name for a hazing ritual where Max was targeted and forced to chug 190-proof liquor as he answered a question about the fraternity's history wrong or recited the Greek alphabet incorrectly. Ugh. Yeah. What? Yeah. Those are two very unimportant things to know. Yeah. Yeah, but according to the fraternity, they were. But it's really a power play thing. Yeah, of course. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, they just want to have, like, this power over them. Yeah. Max Groover eventually passed away on September 14th, 2017. He was 29 days into his freshman year at college. Wow. So he was, was he 18? Yeah. So it was alcohol poisoning? Yes, it was alcohol poisoning. And I just, I want to think it like, think about it like this. Destiny and I aren't even that far into our freshman year. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck. <laughs> and I also want to mention his five-year uh, passing anniversary is next Wednesday. Oh. I know. Yeah. So his blood alcohol level was a .469, which is six times the legal limit. Wow. The hospital's gauge stops at .46. And 10 fraternity members were arrested and faced potential charges ranging from misdemeanor hazing to negligent homicide. I think, I think negligent homicide. Negligent homicide seems more, more the answer. So I do want to add that later on, former fraternity member Matthew Nakan has been charged with negligent homicide. Per. As he should. I seem to just be one whenever I was looking at it. Yeah. But 
It should have been more. Do you know if they were all kicked out of LSU? Oh, I know. I don't know if they got kicked out of LSU, but I know that the fraternity was permanently like banned. Like this fraternity exists no longer at LSU. Wow. Okay. Is what I heard. But then I also heard one of the sorority girls saying that all the fraternities who got closed from hazing are back this year. But when I looked it up, it said that it was permanently closed. Okay. So I'm not sure. So, as I stated before, the Groovers, his parents, started their own anti-haze organization called the Max Groover Foundation. And I would recommend looking into it if you want to learn more about Max and, like, their, his family's, yeah. like, mission to mm-hmm. help prevent hazing. Yeah. Yeah. So, I will put the link in the show notes. Yeah, in the yes. show notes. In the show notes. So, they all can go look at that. Uh, it's really, it's really interesting mm-hmm. to see. Fuck hazing. Fuck hazing. Fuck hazing. The Groover family have actually helped, also helped the state of Louisiana create an updated felony hazing law, which is known as the Max Groover Act. That's so cool. <laughs> so yeah, that's all I had. That's a sad note. I'm mad really right now. Mad? <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm upset. No, because I was, okay. So how I found out about this actually is because I was on TikTok and this girl was posting about how her boyfriend, I don't exactly remember her at, but her boyfriend passed away from hazing. Wow. And so okay. she was also like, I also want to share other people's stories, like say their names as well. Yeah. And she listed him. And I was looking up all of their stories to read them one day. Mm-hmm. And I saw that he was from LSU. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is the college that I'm choosing to go to. Yeah. It, it has this going on. So I don't know. I was just like. And since we started this podcast, I knew that I wanted to do something about it. Yeah. Because I'm so anti-hazing. Oh, my gosh. Anti-fraternities, really. Anti-Greek life. Yeah. Sorry. But I am. It's just disgusting. It makes no sense whatsoever. He would have been graduated by now, too. He would have, like, been on his way in life. So. Anyways. Moving on. Maybe we should take a break. Yeah, I think we should take a break. (laughs) All right, we're back. What Sorry. are we doing? We just needed a little breather real quick. After that, because it was it was a lot. Yeah, to take in. it was a lot to take in. But still, y'all haven't sent us any tea. So yeah, so we don't have again any tea for this episode. So we're gonna do some Florida men. Some Florida men. And so. so for this episode, we decided that we're gonna look up Florida men and then our names, and then yeah, I just... didn't fully put my name. I put A V, and I looked up the thing that came up. Oh, I put. Was my full name oh, and it came up with someone that has my name <laughs> and it's fucking crazy <laughs> see i don't think florida man ava would work yeah florida so ava. we uh, could do florida women we, we don't could discriminate do florida men. no women are criminals too <laughs> <laughs> women are mad bad and yuck as well no no <laughs> misdemeanor misdemeanor <laughs> mad bad and slay <laughs> mad bad, bad and slay, slay. <laughs> okay so this is about, I'm going to read y'all the title. Okay. Man arrested after robbing. This is not a Florida man, I just realized. Oops. It's okay. That's okay. Okay. Is it's it okay. funny? Yes. Okay. Then go. Man arrested after robbing two banks using nothing but an avocado. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> what? This happened in Israel, actually. Oh, wow. So... Uh, an unidentified 47-year-old man walked into a branch of the Postal Bank in Beersheba, I think, Israel, shopping mall, and handed the teller a misspelled note asking for all the money in the drawer. <laughs> he held a small black object in his right hand and insisted that he would throw this grenade. 
if she didn't comply. <laughs> so she gave him in U.S. dollars four thousand four hundred seventy-five dollars in cash, and he walked out of the building. Wow. What? I just have to go into a bank with an avocado. That's it. It worked. <laughs> Say it's a grenade, and it worked. Oh apparently. my god. <laughs> Even iconic face couldn't do that. Like, yeah. honestly, honestly. <laughs> Five days later, he went to a different postal bank branch, carrying the same small black item <laughs> and making the same threats. That time, he walked out the door with $3,356 Oh, US. my God. What year was this? This was published in 2019. Okay, so it probably happened in 2019. His one mistake, well, other than robbing the banks, was that he carried his cell phone with him while he committed the crimes. Despite the Mm. fact that he took care to wear a wide-brim hat and to cover his face, his phone's geolocation data snitched, and police officers were able to identify the man, find him, and put him under arrest. arrest. His name has not been released, but the officers have confirmed that he had a criminal record and had... Served three years in prison for a previous robbery. Wow. Okay, one more thing. The grenade, the grenade, quotations, that he held up in both (laughs) bank branches, though, that was just an avocado that he painted black. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) What the fuck? Arts and crafts? Arts and crafts? (laughs) And that's all. That was just an avocado that he painted black. (laughs) Am I supposed to go? Yeah. Okay. Mine's not going to be one story. So when I looked up mine, I tried to look up Destiny. Not shit came up. So what did come up was like this little list and it's just like a headline and then like a one sentence description of what happened. They're all real things. They're from the New York Post. (laughs) First one is June 11th, 2012. Florida man arrested for calling 911 after kitten denied entry into strip club. Eric Lagos was arrested outside of Emerald City Strip Club in Murdoch for repeatedly calling emergency line to report that the club owner had refused to let his cat into the jiggle joint. That's what the website <laughs> says. <laughs> As deputies reported, June 27th, 2012, Florida man chews off another man's face. And what became known what the as the case of the Miami, Miami cannibal, Rudy Eugene gnawed off a, off half a homeless man's face while high. The 31-year-old was shot and killed by police when they found him <laughs> naked and chowing down on you. <laughs> <laughs> he was naked too. He was just dude, no clothes eating a human's face. What oh the my God. fuck? He's like in the corner like a rat and he's like... <laughs> what Naked the man. fuck? Wait, I want to keep on reading these. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Where? Oh, okay. October 23rd, 2014. Florida man once arrested for fighting drag queen with tiki torches. (laughs) 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 Runs for mayor. (laughs) Runs for mayor? (laughs) Attacks a drag queen with with tiki tiki torches. torches. I can just imagine it now. No, yeah. I can just imagine it now. The mental picture of that is so good. I'm not even going to read any of the descriptions anymore. I'm just going to read the titles. <laughs> the next one says January 1st, 2015. Florida man trapped inside an unlocked closet for two days. <laughs> <laughs> Florida man, December 7th, 2015. 
killed by alligator while hiding from cops. He was fatally chopped. <laughs> In June 8th, 2017, Florida man des- desperate for a ride to Hooters calls 911. <laughs> uh, January 9th, 2018th. Florida man tries to steal rack of ribs by stashing it in his pants. <laughs> January 8th, 2019. Florida man insists syringes pulled from rectum aren't his. <laughs> <laughs> the confusion in your voice while reading that. February 13th, 2019, <laughs> Florida man in dog costume filmed himself having sex with Siberian Husky. Oh my god! <laughs> May 9th, 2019, Florida man arrested over I Eat Ass Sticker. August 21st, 2019. <laughs> Wait, no, you need to read that. Wait. Dylan Shane Webb, 23, was arrested for refusing to remove a sticker from his car that said, I eat ass. Columbia County cops said the charges were later dropped after he argued that he's protected by the First Amendment. No buts about it. <laughs> no, but no, literally that's completely no, protected. That's free speech. Free speech. He I eat ass. That's not even. It's not like it's not hate speech or anything. It's yeah. fine. So what if he eats ass? Her. Just make sure you brush your teeth and you'll be fine. And wash your ass, right? Right? Okay. August twenty first. <laughs> 2019, Florida man arrested after botched castration surgery. <gasps> I don't want to know. September 5th, 2019, Florida man protects car from Hurricane Doran by parking it in his kitchen. October 7th, <laughs> 2019, Florida man arrested for trying to get alligator drunk. October 22nd, <laughs> 2019, Florida man on Segway charged with DUI. That's not exciting. That happens here. October 20th. 20- <laughs> Fucking segue. Um, wait, wait. October 29th, 2019. Why are all these from 2019? Oh my god. Florida man busted into igu- Wait. Florida man busted feeding iguanas to alligators in jail zoo? I don't. Jail zoo? <laughs> I don't fuck? understand. Anyways, a Florida. Don't forget. <laughs> So out of breath right now. November 6, 2019. Florida man groped Disney World princess while wife sat next to him. (laughs) Oh my god! This happened in Magic Kingdom in Orlando. June 11, 2020. Florida man fights off alligator that was attacking his dog. Honestly, slay. Uh, Slay. Slay. July 20th, 2020. Florida man tries to Evade arrest by cartwheeling away from cops. <laughs> October 9th, 2020. Oh no, it's just like, okay, you know, like the, the TTI, the Times Eye on Disney Channel, that one kid that cartwheeled all the way to his grandmother's yeah. house. That is what it's doing. <laughs> he said, I'm going to evade the police. The time I cartwheeled away from the police. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like the Disney Channel thing where they draw da, da, the Disney da, da, Channel. Da, da. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. June 16th, 2020. Flo- wrong one. October 9th, 2020. Florida men catch 18.9 foot long Burmese python. Ryan Osborne and some dude named Kevin bagged the scaly behemoth <laughs> in the Everglades, <laughs> setting, setting a new state record. 
previous largest snake was one-tenth a foot shorter. A Burmese python. Her. Okay. Her. You need to not read all of them. So just in case we need to read more for next episode, I want to say mine. Mine is the best thing I've ever read in my entire life. Are you fucking ready for this? Yes, we are. Give it to us. Hit us. Drunk Florida man tries to use taco as ID after his car catches fire at Taco Bell. (laughs) How did he think it was okay? (laughs) I'm just going to read the article. Tacos are not recognized as legal forms of identification in the state of Florida. Insert bad joke about immigration laws here. (laughs) Matthew Faulkner found out the hard way after he passed out drunk in the drive-thru of a Jensen Beach Taco Bell and his car caught fire. (laughs) The incident occurred in the early morning of October 1st in Jensen Beach, according to the blog of The Beat, Faulkner was 30 years old, had apparently decided to make a run for a fourth meal after downing some beers. He somehow made it all the way to the fast food joint in his Chevy pickup, placed his order, and received his taco before falling to sleep. The Taco Bell manager had to call the police because Faulkner was out cold at the pickup window, holding up customers behind him. Clearly, this is not a victimless crime, and our hearts go out to the hungry folks who had to wait so long for their late-night munchies. A deputy awoke Faulkner and then asked for his ID. Faulkner said no before reaching into his bag and presenting the officer with a taco. Another Another deputy clarified that they were asking for an ID. Not a taco. <laughs> Faulkner chuckled and began eating the taco. <laughs> the deputies noticed Faulkner had fallen asleep with a foot on the accelerator while his truck was in park. The engine had caught fire and fire extinguishers were used to put it out. Faulkner's blood alcohol content was between 0.227 and 0.225, according to a breath test. That's three times the legal limit, and he was hauled off to jail with DUI charges. No word on the fate of the taco. <laughs> did he? Did he ever find his ID? I don't know. <laughs> no, 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 literally, I could just think of it like he's just like he's just like they're just like that's not an ID. That's and a taco. Like, what? No, no, he he laughs. He goes oh, yeah. <laughs> and just starts eating it. <laughs> they're like, sir, can I see a form of identification? He's like. <laughs> Let me reach in my bag. Hold up. <laughs> <laughs> I just love the title. Drunk Florida man tries to use Taco's ID after his car catches fire at Taco Bell. I'm like, what the fuck? It's kind of funny that his car catches on fire at Taco Bell. I don't know why, but out of all the places, I don't know. Yeah. Taco Bell drive through <laughs> Well, I mean, it's bound to happen. You're at Taco Bell. Your ass is on fire. Your car is on fire. <laughs> your sauce is on fire. You don't know your fucking ideas, that's for sure. <laughs> okay. Okay, that's we're going to wrap up the episode here. That's all we have for you guys yeah. today. What an I interesting think. episode. It, it we was are sad. All, we, we, we were sad. We were mad. We were delirious as fuck. We were... Uh, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> We were a lot of things. 
Yeah. But mostly, we were waiting for you to subscribe to our Patreon. (laughs) (laughs) And send us fucking tea. Please send us tea. Send us fucking tea. Please. Stop. You did that last episode. I know. I always do it. (laughs) Stop begging you. (laughs) Stop begging, you fucking brat. (laughs) (laughs) She's asking for it. (laughs) (laughs) Why am I being attacked right now? (laughs) Okay. We have to go. We have to go. Three, two, one. Goodbye. Goodbye. Thank you so much for listening. And if you like the show, our found this the slightest bit entertaining. Great news. We'll be back with you next week with more mad scientists, people gone mad, and your mad stories. And remember, if you want to hear your mad stories on an upcoming episode, DM our Instagram at m.a.d underscore hatters. Or email us at madhatters.podcast at gmail.com. All links will be posted in the show notes as well as the resources we used in researching this episode. And don't forget, if you'd like to support the show, subscribe to our Patreon, where you can get exclusive content, behind the scenes, video to our episodes, and even unedited episodes a week early, as well as your own input on the cases we talk about on the show. And remember to stay mad and stay out of trouble. Goodbye. Goodbye.